first thing I texted Jen last night was yeah we gotta do a podcast this week we gotta do an episode well because it's September 19th we're recording and last night Ruth Bader Ginsburg died so I sat on the floor of my bathroom for a little while and cried and then I walked out of the bathroom and Eric was standing in the hallway and I said (laughs) I feel like this is real existential this is what existential despair feels like and he said you only just got here (laughs) it's yeah there was this uh onion article i guess or it was a tweet and it was sort of like man who thought he'd lost all hope realizes he'd really like really now (laughs) and that was that was me right i was like oh but also we had planned to start joy this week yeah (laughs) as a podcast uh concept and and maybe uh, you know what can i suggest that we talk about romance's solace this week then? Yeah. I mean, it's all part and parcel, right? As my mom would say. Yes. Uh I don't know. What would we what what would we say we are? I think we are um sad. Yeah. And scared and mad and pissed off. Yeah, we're angry. You know, well, let's say welcome to Faded Mates before we move on. We should actually tell people yeah. what they're listening to. Uh, I'm Sarah McLean. I write romance novels and I read romance novels. And I'm Jennifer Prokop. I am a romance reader and critic. And we are here for you guys this week. Yeah. Because you're here for us this week. I woke up this morning to like a lot of really a bunch yum. of tweets and DMs and um. I just want you guys to know I read a bunch of them out loud to Jen just now, yeah. and um, every one of them is making us feel better. Yeah. So I guess what – you know what? Here's one other thing I want to say before we start, which is – Yeah. This is like a thing we – Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying is – I mean, she was an amazing woman. She – our democracy should not rest upon the life of one 87-year-old white woman. No, this was also a week where we got some really shocking, not maybe shocking is not the right word, but terrifying news about um, forced hysterectomies. Monstrous news. Yeah, of of women in detention um, by a doctor who is not even a doctor. And I think it's really important, you know, as two women who live in urban areas in blue states, this is, you know, there's a Planned Parenthood. I, you know, I drive past all the time. My access to reproductive rights is not in question. That's not really true for women who live in red states. It's not true. We're also, you know, I think it's not true for poor women. You know, there the ways in which reproductive rights 
have stratified based on your geography, based on your income, based on your race. You know, this has been a long time coming. And I think in some ways, I just want to say our existential fear and dread is because now it's everyone. Not just poor women, not just brown and black women, not just women in state in rural states or rural areas. I mean, so it's really, I think it's really hard. And not just women. Not just women, right? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're having we're having a um we're having a time of it. Um, and I think so are a lot of you. So um we wanna talk about um how we move forward in this. So um we're going to do our best today, but if this is not a thing that you're ready to listen to, sure, maybe go back and listen to the Rune Week episode. <laughs> there you go. I am rereading Sweet Ruin for the 83rd time. <laughs> Can we also just talk about how amazing Ruth Bader Ginsburg was? Like, right? Like, so Little Romance and I one year went... I dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg for Halloween. <laughs> uh-huh. And this was, I, as you all know, teach in a middle school. And Little Romance goes to my school. And he was like, well, I guess I'll go as a Supreme Court justice too. And then he asked a really interesting question because kids are so funny. And I was like, well, you know, there's all these other dudes. And he said, well, which one's the most powerful? I said, well, that would be Chief Justice John Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> and so he decided that that would be what he would tell people is i mean he just wore like a black graduation robe <laughs> yeah i i will put the picture in show notes it's amazing adorable um he was like yeah I'll, I'll just tell everybody i'm john roberts and imagine at the time you were like "Ugh," but now we're like please god make roberts be yeah the sane one in this mix yeah right right um Anyway, my Ruth Bader Ginsburg story is that I have a six-year-old girl who uh, was given, who is is six years old in the age of Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, which is a really fantastic um, Kickstarter that became a book series of the original. It was kickstarted as a hardcover book that was literally designed and is gorgeous. It's a storybook where it's 50 women throughout the ages from like Cleopatra and like Grace O'Malley, a pirate from the, you know, 1500s to, um, you know, Serena Williams and Malala Yousafi. And, um, what's amazing is many of these women you have heard of, many of them you have not heard of, and um, each book, each story is um, a one page long, and then on the facing page is this gorgeous illustration um, of the the person, whoever the person is. And um, we got the first one, and then they did it. We kickstarted the first one, and, and we're part of the Kickstarter. And then, of course, like, it took off, and now there are, I think, three books. That's awesome. But they've also started a podcast called um, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Um, we will put links in show notes. I tweeted about it this morning yeah. because there is a Ruth Bader Ginsburg episode of the podcast, which is fabulous. And um, this is just going to – this is for, like, the parents out there. If you are f- – Looking for a way to explain Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life and legacy 
two littles, mm-hmm. um, this podcast is really excellent. So it tells the story. It tells her story, her story of going to graduate school, of going to law school and like being a woman in law school and marrying Marty and Marty getting cancer and her like taking notes for him in class, all while making the Harvard Law Review. Um, But it really is a sort of digestible story Mm -hmm. of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's whole life as a rebel girl. That's awesome. And my daughter um, loves this podcast. And, you know, there are all sorts of very, very cool women as part of this podcast. Um, And um, the... And she, you know, she's always telling me about these cool women in, in, from the podcast. Um, and one day she came to me about two or three months ago and she said, Mom, have you heard of Ruth Bader Ginsburg? And I said, I have heard of her. And she said, she is really cool, isn't she? Yeah. And I was like, she really, really is. And... Now and she must. She's probably listened to the epi- that episode of the podcast for, I mean, uh, twenty five times. And so um, we'll put links to it in show notes. It's a great podcast, even for big rebel girls like us. Yeah, I think it's amazing the way in which her life was really celebrated when she was still alive. Um, like the notorious RBG book or um, the R- RBG documentary. I'm sure that. By the, the time Ruth Bader Ginsburg workout book. Oh like, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I I had a friend of my my friend's son. He texted me this morning. She's like, "Look, I just ordered it because if she could be a badass at that age, then I can be a badass at my age." And I was like, "I like it. I like it." So, I think um, there was a way in which we celebrated her life while it was still going. Yeah, she knew we thought she was awesome. Yeah, which is cool. That's not that's not something everybody gets. Right. I mean, I'm real bummed that we made this poor woman, like, hold together a democracy. Yeah. At her age. The poor, she should have had a, she should have been able to live out her golden years. Right. Um. Anyway, it's uh, rough out there, everyone. So you want to be gentle with yourselves. And I guess that's where Jen is going with romance as solace. Um, you know, last night. I was sitting on the couch and I was sort of, you know, thousand yards staring at the TV and Eric looked at me and was like, what can you do right now? Like, can you read a romance novel? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I love that that was like the medicinal. He was not like, would you like bourbon? Would you like marijuana? He was (laughs) like, give it a straight shot, right? No fooling around. (laughs) You can be reading right now. And then he was like, or like, you're an insomniac. Jen is an insomniac. Like, why don't you just record a podcast? And I was like, what is happening right now? He was like casting at straws. Like, what, what can we be doing? Um, but I think that, you know, this is, that is the point, right? This romance novel, like his instinct was like, go read a romance novel because I know they make you happy. Yeah. And I did actually get into bed and I read half of a romance novel that I can't tell any of you about because it doesn't technically exist, but it's great. (laughs) And then this morning, you know, I just feel like today all I want to do is crawl into bed with Sweet Ruin and like, you know, cuddle. I think it's really interesting to think about like 
romance novel is solace, but also like the ways in which we approach that. Um, because for me, like that's rereading, but it's also for many people, they have the like, we joke about the break in case of emergency romance, right? That one by a favorite author that you have never read that you are like holding for that, like that time. And I will tell you, so I have never read the Lisa Clayposs with Cam. Cause I have been holding that. Like it's been on years, years. I have been waiting for like a day where I just know that I'm going to need need that and i feel like this might be the day oh this might be the day right that's a big day yeah (laughs) i mean cressley if you're listening now would be a great time to drop (laughs) and (laughs) row god like calgon take me away cressley's like these motherfucker (laughs) no listen cressley no Stop. <laughs> Cressley loves us. Oh my god! I mean, I did just literally a second before we started recording. I read the tweet that announced somebody thank you Twitter for just always taking care of me. <laughs> Someone made sure that I saw that it is it is unconfirmed, but like well rumored that Tom Hardy is about <sighs> to become James Bond. And I literally, Jen was watching me. I was like, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> You're like, I'm breaking. My brain, like, I'm like McGreeve braining over here. <laughs> because I can't handle it. It's the highs and lows. They're too yeah. much. <laughs> you know what's really funny is I did last night think maybe I should watch a James Bond movie. Well, because you were reading Lee Child. Handsome Men Blow Things Up is real solace to me. I mean, uh, Tom Hardy taking <sighs> off his shirt and shooting things. Fine. I mean, I'll I'll allow it. He'll have to like roll up his sleeves, Sarah. Also, you know what else gave me joy yesterday? Yesterday morning oh. was a very high and low day for me. Yeah, Jen. Yes. That I mean, thread. I'm sorry, you guys. I know this is like I, I don't mean to. <laughs> like we're all just trying to find hope and joy where Listen, we can. Coping mechanisms are fine. I woke up yesterday morning to a magnificent reader named Melissa. To discover that she had spent her evening the night before, and I hope you enjoyed yourself, Melissa, <laughs> finding photographs of Tom Hardy that she could pair with Sarah McLean covers. <laughs> and the thread was Sarah Mc- uh, Tom Hardy as Sarah McLean covers, and it was really, really great. <laughs> the day of the Duchess <laughs> is unreal it is her like he's so we are putting that in show notes for sure maybe that's all show notes is gonna be just one just that picture the the whole picture for this episode should just be tom i can make that happen i can do that i have the power oh you know what all the chapter images this week i'm gonna we'll just be that we'll just be those from that, that oh my side. god so anyway thanks so much somebody else had done henry cavill as sarah mcclain covers the day before it is a real you all are out there doing the lord's work for me this week <laughs> so thank you i mean uh, yeah like i think we're all just I, literally now it feels i i pulled up that jurgen klopp yeah tweet um sure. thread yeah last night i was on the phone with you and i was yeah. like i'm gonna go read that jurgen klopp tweet <laughs> This is where I'm at, you guys. I'm finding old Twitter threads to, like, just 
suck out the marrow of joy. (laughs) But, you know, and then tonight we're hanging out with our friends. We have a plan for tonight to hang out with our good friends and watch the the (laughs) dumb Fifty Shades movie. I don't even care. Listen, we I don't know that we've re- updated everyone on I'm watching enjoying it more than I really should, I think. Okay, so we watched number 2 with everyone. Now, okay, so wait. Now here's everyone is a secret. We talk if they're not listening to our if it's a secret. No, no, this part's not a secret. We have thousand, tens I know. Of thousands no, no, this part. Listeners. No, listen. So <laughs> we <laughs> No, fine. Remember if you listen, we talked about we they watched Sarah watched the first one with the reader writers room. And right, I Which really we don't have to refer to them that way anymore. Well, sure. As, How about let's do it this way. Okay. Sarah, just name them. So Alexis Staria, Adrian Herrera, was Laquette watching it the first time around? No, but Laquette's on the thread because she just likes to mock us. I was like, her text (laughs) notifications the next morning must be insane. Nisha Sharma, Tracy Livesey, right? And then Andy Christopher. Andy Christopher. So here's the fun thing. So Tracy is basically cruise directing this whole thing. We know. Oh God, yes. You all know this if you listen to the Tracy episode. We talked about this. So she's she's cruise directing, and Nisha comes in. I mean, wearing the full. I mean, like Fifty Shades head to toe. She's got you know Christian Grey sneakers, (laughs) and and then. So we and we go through the first first movie we watched together. Then Jen joins us for Fifty Shades. Free. Okay, so here was the thing. Sarah no, darker, didn't know darker what the hell? is. So I watched the first one on my own. I was like, I gotta catch up so that next time they watch, yeah. tell everyone this. Is okay, confession. this is the part. It's a confession. It's not a secret. It's a confession. So Jen is a traitorous betrayer. Right. So Tracy and I watched the second one together Tracy without anyone is a else. Traitorous betrayer. Because I was like, I'm kind of obsessed with this. I really want to watch the next one. And I'd never read the book, so it was like all new to me. Meanwhile, the entire time I was like, Tracy, does this happen in the book? Tracy, does this happen? in the book and she was like i don't know it's fine but i so i did secretly watch the second one and then we watched it all together but tonight i'm going in cold on 50 shades freed is that what it's called allegedly what do you mean allegedly allegedly oh, you think i'm lying lied to, to me once before well. how can i ever trust you when it comes to el james <laughs> i have or a- jamie dornan and his weird <laughs> leprechaun head and his bow tie is tiny. Okay, I'm going to ruin Fifty Shades Darker for you guys. Are you ready? The Masquerade Ball, which everybody knows I love a mask. I mean, yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Every romance writer. Oh, we should talk about masquerades and like the promise of the masquerade. We've never done that. And that's a fun conversation. That is. We can do that. Right. But I'm going to ruin it first. So the Fifty Shades masquerade in the second book like it's sexy right like he oh, gives her the sexy. mask and then they go to his parents house and then they like do a lot of naughty stuff in his parents house with Alex- which Alexis Daria <laughs> she is was not on board no it was Adriana with. no it was, was Adriana like, who's not like, on board with it his parents house Adriana like, Herrera not okay um but mainly like Adriana's not okay through I would say 80%. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Except for the amazing scene where he flips her. Oh, the flip. Forget it. (laughs) I've rewatched that several times. I was like, how is there no gif of this? And then Adriana was like, sorry, I'm behind. I had to go back and watch that a few times. I was like, (laughs) yeah. "Yeah, Adriana just peaced out of the watch from all of us and like went back to like rewatch the flip, which is great. I mean, I support your choices. So um, anyway, we're we're watching it um, and the masquerade comes on and you guys... Christian's 
bow tie in this masquerade scene is like a baby's bow tie. It's like a child's bow tie. And I literally throw into the text thread. We have an ongoing text thread where we're watching this. And I'm like, why is his bow tie so tiny? And then I kind of ruined it for Tracy because she'd never noticed. And then you can't not, yeah. Now, once I've said that to you, you can't not notice it. It's just a tiny little bow tie. I'm going to admit something, too. So I love a masquerade scene in a, I mean, in a book. But I'm always like, how do these MFers not fucking recognize they each other? They have to know, right? You right? Have they to have to know. People. And then we are watching it with me and Tracy, sorry. And I was like, who is this blonde woman talking to Christian? Is it her friend? And she's like, no, it's his sister. And I was like, God, reader me is like, how do they not recognize each other? No. Watcher me is like, who the fuck is this again? She's got a exactly. mask on. I don't know. Everybody's in a mask. They're just invisible now. Yes. It's, it's Except, except the hero always knows who the heroine is. Sure. I mean, always. Always. Because that is... I get the most positive response to the first line in Daring of the Duke of the masquerade from his point of view. Because I think the first line of that chapter is like he knew it was her the moment she entered. Right. And she doesn't think he knows. Right. And because she's like masked. She's wearing a wig. She's like masked. He's like, it doesn't matter. No. He's like, I smell you. It's like he smells her. I was going to say, it's like that old category where fucking (laughs) meets. Yes, he smells her. that old category the one where the guy can smell pregnant women what was it Remember? oh yeah <laughs> warrior <laughs> you guys i'm gonna reread warrior this week see there you because go because today because he can smell women pregnant he'd definitely be and able you to know identify what? someone at a masquerade for romance reasons <laughs> here's the other thing i was thinking about several things about the and whole masquerade also, scene i would wait i'm sorry i want to yeah. go back to warrior for a second because nevada the hero of warrior who can smell women pregnant elizabeth lowell does some real solid foreshadowing work <laughs> jennifer foreshadowing um the was that this episode? No, <laughs> did we talk? No, different episode. One day that makes sense. Some... <laughs> We're foreshadowing a future joke about foreshadowing. And so Elizabeth Lowell does some really great foreshadowing work because he smells pregnancy in like four books before that book, <laughs> and then she's like looking at her at her notes on him, and she's like, "Oh, and he smells pregnancy." So bam, I know how this is gonna go. Here's the thing about this masquerade scene, though, like. I'm not really a person to pay real pay like real attention to continuity things, but it before the masquerade, Anna Anna I guess Anna is dressed in some very lovely lingerie. It is truly beautiful. In fact, it only you know what else it reminded me of in season one of Deadwood. Remember when Alma finally gets it on with the what's his name Seth Crazy Eyes Timothy Oliphant? Yes, she is also wearing some beautiful undergarments. I remember like really being like, wow, that is lovely. Do you remember that? <laughs> Remember okay, it, but I'm, I'm gonna find you. it, is and it I'll like, like just a really nice corset. Yes, but it's like kind of black lace, and it's very sheer. Oh, it's yeah. lovely. It's a more it's morning undergarments. Sure, <laughs> sure. Anyway, she's Anna is wearing these be- this beautiful lingerie, and then she puts on a dress, and I was like, wait, you just took all a that silk, stuff off? A silk dress? Yeah. Well, I mean, the argument did she take it off? She couldn't have been like literally the straps so would have shown. Here's my thing about that lingerie. She is all very put together, but she's wearing her garter belts over her undies, which is, I mean, how it looks really perfect. Yeah. But the reality is, is that if you wear your garter belts over your undies, anytime you have to pee, 
have sex or have Benoit balls inser- inserted into you. This is important. Yeah. This is a, this is a PSA, you guys. You have to undress yourself, although not in. I mean, clearly the fantasy is is held uh, during the Fifty Shades film. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my seventh-year-old just appeared at a real oh. awkward time, but he couldn't hear what you were talking about. Hi, hi to the people. I'm really glad hi, he couldn't hear what I was talking about. <laughs> no hi, kidding, little too. romance. I still know what's happening, so I'm going to leave now. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Look at you. He brought you breakfast. Yeah. Mr. Reed's romance went to Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I love a Dunkin'. Me too. Can we talk about masquerades, though? The promise of the premise. That's what we're going to do right now. All right. So the promise of the premise of the masquerade, one, is they don't, either they don't know who the other is. So, and this is early days in the okay. um, in the book, right? right? Like, if it's in the first couple of chapters, then it has to be sort of like a mystery of who this person is. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking, so wait, are we talking masquerades themselves or the mask itself? Because I think about that um, delicious uh, Elizabeth Hoyt book. Did you, did you read all those Elizabeth Hoyt books? The Prince books? Raven I think Prince, so. Prince, Tiger yeah. Prince. Tiger Maybe Prince? just Raven. Serpent Prince. The Raven Prince is the one where he goes to the sex club and she meets him there. I read so that one. he's going as like client and she goes and is wearing a mask and she is the um sex worker and she's masked and she th- but that's another example of she thinks he doesn't know who she is and he of course knows right away of course here's like what's interesting is okay our masquerades- uh, FYI, you guys, we had no intention. We were just going to get it. We just decided we were going to freewheel today. So here we are. Yeah, definitely. what you get is what you I'm get. Sorry, you get what you get. <laughs> well, we start off with my RBG Halloween costume and we're back to costume. So I feel like it's all a close oh, circle. Sure, it's all planned. Very planned. Sure. Obviously. Okay. Here's my question about masquerades. Do you think this is a historical only trope? Well, I mean, it's in Fifty Shades, which arguably is. You yeah, know. but I was like, but other than fifty, a hundred million, and they copies. go together. Were we not clear enough? <laughs> right, but they go together. I mean, it's not well because Christian Grey is so old fashioned, right? Like he's yeah. basically like, uh, what's his name, Rochester. Mm. P.S. Christian Jet and Grey would absolutely keep his his old wife in the attic. Um, hello, yes, a, a thousand percent. Like in the book, the whole part with like Leela, or no, the movie oh, Leela. Oh. Yeah, the second book is like some serious Jane Eyre fanfic. For sure. It's, you know, a big problem. Adriana. <laughs> she about had a heart attack. She was like, wait, what? I was like, just go back and watch that flip again. Oh, my God. Just skip over this. We should publish the chats. <laughs> we could make a fortune. Um, okay, the contemporary masquerades. I mean, they're got, they've got to be. Right. It's such a classic trope, right? Right. This is why we don't usually, like, truly prepare, but we usually say, like, oh, we're going to do an episode on masquerades, and then we, like, at least think about it. Yeah, they have to. Everybody at home is, like, screaming titles at us right now. You know that, right? I do. That's fine. I feel like, in some ways, the Naima Simone blackout ones... Oh, functioned, yeah. Well, functioned similarly. Galas, like balls. Right? Like that yes. sort of feel. I mean, mm-hmm. I just wrote, um, you know, the Naughty Brits anthology is connected by a gala, which I think gives it a sort of like 
real romancey feel like that anthology. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love an anthology. This is we're going to take a little detour, but I love an anthology that links together. We've talked about this on the podcast. Like, I pr much prefer an anthology where you know either there's, there's some a kind of common trope right. or there's a similar thing or like all of them inter interconnect. Um, and At some so event, right? Naughty Brits, all of the ep all of the episodes, all of the. Um, stories interconnect at a gala at the british museum but it's not a mask so in a masquerade it's the whole like we're strangers to each other but of course he recognizes her but in a modern one i feel like it's the gala and it has like that pretty woman effect of the the glow up yeah it's like a um cinderella story you mean yeah yeah, I think that's probably reasonable. And not just and not just for women. I think for men too, right? Like, oh my god, look at you in your three-piece suit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I can't think short of 50 shades. I can't really think of like a a masquerade romance, a contemporary masquerade romance. And I think that that's I think that's probably Oh, you know who does it? It's who? not a masquerade, though. So in uh, Nikki Sloan's sex club books, mm. the heroines are always, the the yes. workers are always masked. Um, So there's like a sense of. They're blindfolded. Oh, they're blindfolded. So it's not masks. That's a different thing. I mean, the whole series is called The Blindfold Club, so. As it is, well. Well, I wonder why. I mean, I guess, is it because it's too much fantasy? Is it because historicals allow, like, here's the thing about historicals, is a mask un unlocks a, the characters, right? Like, right. so where in a historical, you're always riding this really fine line between um, what is allowed, like what will get, mm -hmm. like ruination is always on the table, in a historical. I mean, maybe not always, but like 90% of historicals, like ruination is one of the like the the fears, right? This idea, because we've talked a thousand times about like patriarchy and what what historicals are doing around patriarchy. And the truth is like ruination is fucking nonsense, is what it is. Right. And like it's about women and sexuality and perception and the way society tries to like keep women from pleasure. And like it's all those things. And so ruination as a threat is just like always a low level kind of bubbling threat. So masks give us an opportunity. I mean, how many times have I said like I love an identity? Ro I what I love about romance is identity always and so masks like there's the one piece which is playing with identity but there's also that second piece that frees women from the binds and constraints of propriety because if she's wearing a mask no one knows who she is so if she's like slutty like, in the garden it like, doesn't matter yeah so it's a shorthand for sexual freedom but also, but without removing patriarchy, right? So, because once the mask comes off, like, everything goes to shit. So I wonder if that's why it doesn't need to function the same way in a contemporary. Because if women just have sex, then it's fine. Right. Right. I mean, so, so what's I think it doing? Yeah. So maybe it just doesn't have purpose. I think it's different, right? So in, like I but said. But I in do love that moment. 
where he's like where everyone's like who's that and he's like yes that's my goddess right well because he's the only one who knows her he's literally bringing into a world she's never seen before Mm -hmm. right and I do think that that's how galas often function because we have so many billionaire, millionaire heroes or whatever, right? And so often the woman's appearance into this world, it's not really about patriarchy as much as it is about class. Yes. In contemporaries. Yeah. It's usually, it's either, it's fish out of water. It's like, a, it's a an awareness of like a whole world that we haven't, that she has not had access to until now. Well, and I think so. I think also the payoff is really or different. He, and, or he. But right. Yeah, sure. The, she. I'm thinking, okay, so you and I both love Charlotte Stein, right? And one of my favorite Charlotte Steins, and I'm going to have to look because, of course, God knows what the hell are, you know, our titles. So hold on while I look at this title. Um, is there's one I love, one of my favorites, and, like, I feel like no one ever talks about it, but it is, like, absolutely one of my favorites, and I don't remember the title, hold on, is Run to You is the name of the book, and it starts off with a woman who, she, her roommate, she figures out, essentially, is doing these, like, assignations, she calls them, so she shows up in this hotel room, she doesn't really know what's gonna happen, and it turns out that it's, like, Kind of like this man's going to be there, right? And at the end, though, she falls in love with him. His name's Janos. He's like, I don't know, Scandinavian. I don't remember where he's from. And at the end, though, he takes her. He, like, takes her to the, the, um, the spa. And she gets the full treatment. And she wears this whole gown. And he takes her to this ball. And she thinks he's trying to change her. Mm. And she actually, like, sort of... She can't deal with it. She's like, I wanted him to want me for me. I didn't want him to, like, make me over. And I thought it was a really clever play on the glow up, right? Like, instead of the pretty woman moment being like, yes, look, you can fit in anywhere, is her saying, I actually just wanted to, I wanted you to love me for me. I didn't want you to have to make me something I'm not in order to fit in with your world. Of course, it was all a misunderstanding. It was fine. But... Fine. I did really like so I do I think the gala and the ball is just different in a in a modern romance. I think it has different stakes. I think also that well, I do think you're right that I think that it's it's often about money. Um I think about that scene um in the Sylvia Day series. Help me. Help me. The um Crossfire. Crossfire. I was like the to you series yeah 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 so there's there's that great scene which is um there's a scene in that series that's also at a gala like a fundraiser and they are sitting together and she is and and the dynamic is very much like he's a billionaire she's not she's like a young ingenue and they are having the moment at the table where there is a lot of like there's It's clear that, like, she is left out of the conversation or being manipulated in the conversation Mm -hmm. because she is not their kind, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she's Mm -hmm. not their people. And it's a very class-focused moment. And she um, uses her safe word at the table. Oh, wow. That's Have you read that book? I think I read the first one. I don't know if it's the first one or the second one. Somebody will tell us. 
But okay. she safe words him at the table during the conversation. And he instantly stops, like on a dime. And the, and it's like an incredible moment of like power and like this conversation around identity and power and um yeah and how sex is more than just what happens between two people in private like yes there is it is a magnificent scene because of the way it balances power and yeah. i think you're right i think you know i think about um you know there are so in um Lisa Kleypas in her contemporaries, and this is unsurprising, right? Like, Lisa's a historical queen, right? So, right. Um, arguably the best of us in history. <laughs> and so, um, like, when she, right, when, but when she came to her contemporaries, there were a lot of these, like, kind of Texan balls that happened and, like, gave opportunities to have these conversations. Um, what is interesting about this for me, though, is that it is so completely fantastical for most of us. Like, I always jo- – every year I make the same New Year's joke, right, which is I have been living in New York City for 20 years, and no <laughs> one has ever invited me to a When Harry Met Sally-style New Year's Eve party. Like, I have never been invited to have, you know, Eric run in in the rain and say – I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. (laughs) I think that fantasy, uh, it's really old-fashioned. There's like a comfort to it. There is, yeah. Because as readers, we sort of know what happens at a ball. Like we right. know that a well, ball is where, like, gentle courtship. There's something soft about it, even when it's not soft. Well, I also think it's really embedded in like the Cinderella trope, which is so. I think it's like impossible to get away from. And I think you know, like going off to the ball and the fairy godmother, and then you know being recognized for who you are, even though no one else can see that. I mean, that's a really powerfully built into like our society. But I mean, there are Cinderella stories from all over the world, right? There, this is a story that humanity loves, not just Americans. I think it's also a very visual trope. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I don't know, you guys, I look in the mirror every morning and I'm like, whatever. But, you know, like. I mean, same. <laughs> like the ugly duckling turning into a swan. Like that's, I love that. Yeah. You know, have you read Theodora Taylor? Have you ever read her books? One, but I, it was a, I don't remember though. It was, there was not a ball. So, first of all, these were recommended to me by Kenya Gory Bell, who is amazing, um, who is, like, the most wonderful person. Yeah. Possibly in romance. She's just a delight. Um, So, Kenya and I were uh, in Alabama together immediately before COVID. Like, we did an event uh, in in Alabama, and um, I did an event with Naima Simone, and Kenya was there. And we all went out and hung out and talked about romance novels. As you know, you do when you hang out with me. Um, and she recommended this book called Holt, which is um, written by Theodora Taylor, 
um, who is, and it's like uh, the series title is like Ruthless Billionaires or something. Um, and it begins with the heroine turning up at like a skyscraper for a party, like very mm. uh, interestingly, like very Naima esque, yeah. like this kind of. There is this like big party that's happening, and she has like no money at all to her name. And she gets to this party, and it's like, you know, a writhing mass of like people partying. And there is one man who like is above it all, and it's happening at his home. But he's, like, kind of bored by it. And I think that's a piece of it, too. Like, this idea that, like... I love that. I love it when they're bored of it. The hero can have anything in the world. Like, he can literally... It's going back to that. It harkens back to that Nikki Sloan book that I love so much, right? Where he's like literally in that book, above it all, looking down. Mm -hmm. And he can point to the person he wants and say, that person. And there are all these remarkable people in the room, but he chooses you. And he chooses you. This is the value of the mask, right? Like he chooses you with or without the mask. Um, because he can see, he can see you. He can see all sides of you. Um, the beginning of that book, Holt, is the party. Like, it's literally her, I think, like, stepping onto the elevator or off the elevator. So, like, it's, it's a really, like, and it is, like, it's exactly what it sounds like. Like, it's, like, super alpha guy. Like, you know, if this is your kink, this book will really work for you. Um, so, you know, but I think about, um... Oh, God, who's that other woman who I love? Jane O'Reilly? Is that her name? Have you read Jane O'Reilly ever? It's not Jane O'Reilly. It's... You're thinking of Kathleen O'Reilly. I'm thinking of Kathleen O'Reilly. Okay. No, I'm not talking about that. (laughs) I like Kathleen O'Reilly, too. And when we do our bartender episode... Yes. Because everyone knows that that's what I'm looking for right now. Um we will talk about Kathleen O'Reilly because I do love those New York City bartender episodes. But no, hang on. I'm going to look. Jane O'Reilly. It's true. She's English. And she wrote a book called The Oh, I've read that. Yeah, it's not, I mean, I recommend I I don't think I've ever recommended it on the podcast. This actually just became like just a big let's just talk about books we like. Fine. Episode whatever, who cares. Um <laughs> this podcast is free, everybody. So <laughs> Sorry. Um, So she wrote a book called The Pressure Principle, which is a novella. And it's like part of, again, like part of a series of novellas. But this is a similar thing where the heroine, oh, God, I love an insecure, an insecure about sex heroine. Like the heroine has like some bad, I know, I understand that some of my things are deeply problematic, but like, I don't know. It's 2020. Leave me alone. So, um, but I love it when, like, so she, so the heroine is coming off, like, this very bad relationship where when she broke up with this guy who was terrible to her, he was basically like, you are terrible in bed. Like, you suck at sex. And so she's, like, super insecure about sex. She's in, like, PR, works for some PR company in England. It's set in England. It's contemporary. I think Jane O'Reilly is English. And the, her, like, outrageously sexy boss Mm. um hosts these like 
bacchanals. Great. (laughs) Great. Fine. And so she turns up at one of them, and here we are, bored hero. Bored hero. Tired of supermodels. (laughs) I cannot get enough of that bullshit. I really cannot. It's great. And he's and she asks him for sex lessons. Like she's basically like, I'm bad at sex. And he's like, I feel confident that that is not the case. <laughs> Never. And then he's like, but yes, I will give you sex lessons. <laughs> so it's like educational kissing, which is another trope we love and should do an episode about. But like, yeah. again, like this sort of bored. I don't know. Why are we doing this today? I don't, I don't know. know. Why are we it's in this? It's where we are, Sarah. It's just where we are. I, you know why? Because I'm an insecure heroine right now. I'm like, I don't know. I want a bored, I want a bored person to just be like, fix this. Like, yeah. I will teach you about sex. And also <laughs> I see you and it's all going to be okay. So, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to mention our favorite Derek Craven, who does not recognize Sarah <laughs> when she comes to the masquerade. No, dummy. <laughs> His factotum does. <laughs> Danger, you dummy. <laughs> I don't know. You know why? Because I think we just want the world to be different right now. I think it's perfect. I'm always looking for a way to make the metaphor work. Everybody, sorry. Shout out to every person who is selling witch romances right now because there are witch romances like every two days. So for those of you who are not in publishing, there's this email list that you can get on. You have to pay for it, but... Um, and I, and it's called Publisher's Lunch and you get a email every day about the deals, like the new publishing deals that are coming out. And for the last like three months, it's just been like witch series after witch series after witch series in his, in romance. And like, I am here for it. Oh yeah. Like in a huge way, because I just feel like I don't, I don't want real life. Like I no. don't. I want to read historicals. I want to read paranormals. I want to read things where, like, power. I want to read about power. Yes. I want to read about power, but I want to read about power, like... Where, like, men have to be, like, broken down. Yeah. And I want that because... I want power redistribution in the world. Yeah, me too. You know, RBG has that famous quote about like people always ask her like when will when will the supreme she be happy with the the way the supreme court is broken up and she says when there are nine because there've been nine men on the court for so long and nobody's ever questioned that and it just feels like that's how it should be. Maybe it's naivete. Maybe it's just, like, the access we have to the world, but I've never thought the world was fair. But the way in which it's so blatantly unfair now. <laughs> yeah. Right? And the that feels, um, yeah, aggressive. <laughs> the other book I, I was thinking about this morning in, you know, was Night, in Nalini Singh's Slave to Sensation which we've never talked about because we spent so much time in the first season talking about paranormals that I think right. like we right. just have sort of – we've never talked at, the, at, at length about other paranormals and we should you know probably rectify that this season. But like the premise of Slave to Sensation, the heroine has emotions, right? And like the universe that Nalini has created in that 
in that book is um a universe where emotions are are devalued like they like it's a weakness i mean which i mean it's so <laughs> like it just feels like mm, that's real patriarchy right and uh yeah but the hero actually like feeds on them like he can he 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 gets sustenance from emotions and so she's you know they're she's in hiding and and it, there's this real sense of like power just being so codified in that relationship and how how emotion how like emotions in women and like things that are considered to be softer and weaker are actually incredible power and i feel like that's where we are you know i i it's like that it's that uh rebecca tracer books you know like good and mad um, yeah. good and mad and and mona is the seven necessary sins of women and girls and it just feels like anger is all we have now yeah and i I mean, I think they're weirdly, we just talked about a bunch of romance novels that are not about women's anger. Like they are about, you know, I don't know, sex deals and mass grades. But but also I think like maybe maybe they aren't are about about maybe that's part of it, too. Like that mask is like we're all wearing masks all the time and maybe it's time for us all to take them off and like show the world that we're furious. Like my fury in my mid 40s is not as threatening you know I'm a white lady like right like I I mean I'm a school teacher I mean I just feel like the whole thing too about like who gets to be mad right and how that madness it how your anger is perceived as threatening or not I mean it's also Rosh Hashanah so happy new year to all of yeah, our listeners and um my friend Julie mentioned that she went to services last night like on zoom or whatever and that her rabbi said despair is not a strategy mm. and i was like that's really good for me to remember because it's like people like people have fought to make the world better for a really long time yep so what do we do jen what is a strategy call your senators yes even if you live in blue states, Jen and I live in blue states. I have two blue senators. They have both said, like, I mean, my senators are in line, but like, call your senators, make sure they know that you are expecting them to fight to, with every fiber of their being, even if, even though it feels like that is, I mean, we are despairing. Um, if you live in a swing state, in a place that has either one blue and one red senator, or in a state where your senator, your red senator is up for re-election, mm -hmm. call your senators. Um, you know, I think this is especially true in places like Maine, where, like, Susan Collins might win her seat back if she steps up here. Um, so call your senators. If I think... Act Blue reported last night that it was making money hand over fist for swing states and mm -hmm. for campaigns. I think Arizona is going to be really important because the reelection there, because essentially that senator, whoever wins, is going to get seated faster because of the way like the right. that yes. election is working. Yep. I can't remember the details like. Whatever. John Favreau, who used to work for Barack Obama as speechwriter, runs an, a PAC, 
I mean, I don't know if we call it a pack, but uh, it's a it's a fund, and it's called Get Mitch or Die Trying. Yes. Um, and we will put links to it in show notes. That is the pack that raised something like ten million dollars in three hours last night, um, because Democrats are mad. People are fired up. Um, so call your senators. Also, um, do what you can if you don't have money, because a lot of us don't. Of course. Because um, it's real hard out here, and we are, like, it, there's also a pandemic on, and we understand the burden that that has caused on a lot of families. Um, you can text bank. You can phone bank. Last night, I tried to get addresses from postcards to voters, and there was only one campaign that had addresses still. So I think a lot of people, lot of people are doing that. Yeah. Um, so sign up, sign up, sign up for all that stuff. I actually have a text bank, bank training this afternoon at 2 o'clock for Wisconsin. But you can sign up in individual states if you want to. Um, if you are planning to vote by mail, vote early so that your vote is already counted by the time the election comes. Well, Virginia had early voting start this week and they've never seen lines like that. So I have to assume that voters are really motivated and I, we just need to stay that way. Like now is, now is the time, right? If you've been like saving your energy for the final stretch, like it's the sprint now. It's not a marathon anymore. Well, here, look, this is the possible gold, gold's lining, silver lining, gold. At what, what color is the silver lining? lining. Silver the lining, lining is silver. <laughs> yeah. like, like Anna's dress at the ball. The lining is silver. So, um, but the silver, the possible silver lining here is, look, we all know that Joe Biden is like not the most exciting. Like a lot of us were hoping for someone else. Um, but here we are. And Ginsburg, we have to like honor her legacy here and like. Get fired up for the court, get fired up for the Senate, get fired up for the future. Um, we are really in it. Get fired up for the those families on the border and for black families across America and for women across America and trans people across mm -hmm. America. Um, and stay, try and do what you can to stay fired up for the next 40 whatever days um, we are going to be here with you every step of the way. We are going to try and stay fired up. We are going to try and keep, let's try and keep each other fired up. Um, take care of yourselves and remember self-care, but, you know, also we got to push through. Yeah. The thing, it was really funny people, the things that you find solace in besides reading romance, like Eric last night was like, there's more of us than there are of them. That's why it's they true. need to cheat. <laughs> By the millions. There are right. mil literal millions more of us than there are yeah. of them. And that is really important for me to remember. I feel like one of the – I mean, social media is, like, so amazing in my life in a lot of ways. I found all of you through social media, but – I mean, Tom Hardy as Sarah McLean covers. Right. It's really <laughs> hard sometimes to not focus on the, the all the, like, those bad stories that bubble up, but – you know, most of us are out here, like, trying to do the right thing, wearing our masks. We want to vote. We want to help the election. We want to, like, restore what we can of democracy. We want people to have their civil rights. And I just feel like ugh, that helps me. It helps me to remember that. It's hard out here. But it is it is easier for us than it has been in the past for a lot of people. So, yeah. Right. You know, I hold tight. I hold tight to... Um, President Obama saying, like, it is better now than yeah. it was. Like, it is always better. And uh, 
you know, watching the DNC, it's clear that President Obama is real mad. Yeah. And, and I'm glad for it. Right. Um, but there is. But that's where we are. Um, yeah. I think one last thing I guess I want to say is like cling to your personal happiness wherever you find that. Yes. One thing that we say all the time in romance is that like the past didn't need to be perfect, that people found personal happiness even in times of great struggle. That's like the cornerstone of the whole thing. (laughs) But I feel like one of the things that we see all the time, right, is when, you know, people, you know, some of our fellow white ladies will say things like, well, how could so-and-so be happy back then? And I just feel like this is why you have to cling to your personal happiness now, right? Whatever it is in this world right now that is bringing you joy, that is a positive net effect good thing. And none of us should feel bad about those things, whatever they are, right? Like my friend Ernie and his husband had their new baby this week and he Yay, sent me a picture of the baby. <laughs> he sent me a picture of the baby next to a remote controlled for like so scale. <laughs> and I was like, the baby's so tiny. Joy. It's joy too. Joy. Yeah. Um, it is joy. And also you guys, like, don't let Twitter get you down if like if yeah. you are happy about the James Bond casting or the Jurgen Klopp thread or the video that Rex Chapman, is that his name? <laughs> Rex Chapman posted today of like whatever adorable animal thing. Like you're allowed. You're allowed. We have to suck the joy out of it's out of everything. Right. To be able to power. To keep going. The fight. Um, and it's, you know, I feel like there's that. Did you ever watch the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, that show? I'm a bad watcher, so I know. You don't watch TV. <laughs> um, but anyway, so there's, there was this comedy that was on for a little while and it was, you know, kind of adorable. And she, the, and she had this thing where she was like, you can do anything for 10 seconds, right? Like, I feel like we can do anything for 45 days. Yeah. And we'll tackle it on November 4th. Yep, we will. We'll have an episode on November 4th. We will. That's what we can promise you. We'll be here November 4th. Yep. After that, who knows? Because Jen, <laughs> Jen exhausts me. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> um, all right. We love you guys. Be strong. And yeah, we're here. We're here. We're thinking of you. We're really grateful for you. How about that? We, you are keeping, You are keeping us going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, again, I say it a lot, like romance was such a solitary thing I loved and now it doesn't have to be. And it is really amazing that that's how my world is now. Yep. All right. This is Faded Mates. Um, and uh, what else? You can find us at fadedmates.net. Um, there you can find all sorts of information about merch um, and transcripts and uh, a link to the Spotify playlist of all the music that gets played uh, during these episodes. We are produced by Eric Mortensen. Uh, next week, we are reading Alicia Rye's Serving Pleasure, which yeah. is a book that gives both of us a whole lot of joy. Yes. Um, and we hope it will give you a lot of joy, too. It is real sexy mm-hmm. and uh, a great fun read for this week, I think. I um, so get on that. And, uh, 
we were all over the place. So tell us where you are. That's all. I mean, this is the second week in a row we were all over the place. You, you understand that, right? Yeah, but- Adriana. <laughs> We'll text it. We'll put it on Twitter. But Adriana texted us a gif of the way she imagined our brains working during the Heart of Blood and Ashes episode. And it's and it was not like wrong. Just... And we're kind of sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry about any of it. You know, it feels like in season three, we should be better at this. <laughs> are. Times are rough, though, Sarah. I feel like, you know. I, well, one of the things I say at school a lot is... I'm always asking this question, right? Which is like, what is really, so I'm an English teacher, right? So it's like, what is the most important thing right now is like, how do I get kids engaging in reading and writing? Like everything else falls away. Like what is the core of your discipline? And I feel like, you know, the core of our discipline in this podcast is that we just fucking love these books so goddamn much that our brains are like just neurons firing all the time. I mean, to be honest, I think that you all kind of love these books too. So yeah, I mean they wouldn't still listen. We know they're listening. I can see the data. <laughs> I know you do love there. data. You do love data. I'm a sucker. Eric, Eric data. sends us the 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 data every week, and I I'll, I just say things like wow, <laughs> and I'm like, can you explain this curve? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <sighs> you guys, we love you. Stay strong. As Elizabeth Warren would say, fight only righteous fights. <laughs> <laughs>